Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to salute your sports. KCOU 88.1 FM in KCOU.FM. Uh, I'm the only one here in the studio today due to uh, extraneous circumstances, but that doesn't mean we don't have a full house here in the building tonight. Uh, we got a couple We got a couple shooters here uh, coming in through the ether. Uh, front of the show, Josh Neighbors, our special, special guest. How are you, how are you doing, Josh? I am well. I'm glad to be making my second appearance on Salute Your Sports. Funny enough, this was KCOU's longest running talk show. And I just realized this now. I was never on the show once, not as a guest, uh, like never to help out, never to fill in. I have not been on the show until I think you guys have had me on. Hmm. So it's a pleasure. Causation, correlation, you you think? And then, of course, and of course, my co pilot, my partner in crime, Zach Berman. How you doing, man? I am good. I am great. I am grand, Josh. It's great to have you back. Well, uh, so uh, anything interesting happened this week, guys? Uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of a sleepy weekend. Of course, uh, no Chiefs football, no Mizzou Tigers football. So pretty pretty low key, except for the fact that I think at six eleven p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, South Carolina decided that they were too good for it. Uh, and they decided to part ways with head football coach Will Muschamp. Uh, you can kind of see the writing on the wall, especially this season, where it, nothing was really clicking. Uh, if the defense was coming through for them, they just could not score points. And if the offense was coming through, they just could not stop anything. Uh, at the same time, though, in a, in a year like this, where pretty much everything is at a premium, you know, one might suggest or one might think that paying a 17 million ish dollar buyout to get rid of one coach and then try to make yourself, you know, financially attractive to another potential suitor, kind of a tall order, especially in a pandemic year. So I'm going to open the floor to you guys. Uh, I think we'll start with our special guest, Josh. How do you feel about this sudden yet at the same time, not sudden firing of Will Muschamp? I think from the from the football standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Will Muschamp, I, Will Muschamp was not a good enough head coach at South Carolina. That is point blank. Period. There's really not a whole lot of discussion there about um, like that. There's two other elements. There is the financial part of it, and then there's the financial plus uh, pandemic part of it. So, the the first part of this, I think it's important to note is like you said, Chris, the middle of pandemic. And also South Carolina is a school too that's had some financial issues. I've had, I mean, like many schools have had to lay people off and they're going to, they're about to eat 13, over $13 million uh, to buy out Will Muschamp. And the running total now is over $20 million. Will, Will Muschamp will collect from Southeastern conference schools in terms of buyouts. So congrats to him on that. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty tremendous number, but yeah, when it comes to the football, they, you know, he tries to make changes to your tries to bring in Mike Bobo um, and, you know, tries to make that work. 
the offense at times looked good. It was hit or miss. They bring in Colin Hill as well from, uh, from uh, he comes from Colorado state to join Mike Bobo and the offense, uh, you know, last game, they were excellent. They were playing Ole Miss granted, but I mean, besides that win against Auburn, who we think is a pretty decent team, they're fine. They're not that good. Um, but they're a fine SEC team. They really haven't had a whole lot to show for it. They had the win against Georgia last year, but not long in the results category. And so Will Muschamp wasn't – I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach whose defense was was pretty bad. And I think that's where I kind of land on that. So, I mean, it's the right move. And I think the fact that they're ahead of the curve and they're getting to be the first team that's out there looking for a head coach. Um, and also, too, they're kind of making it passe to fire your coach in the middle of, of a – you know, they're, they're kind of biting the bullet and saying, Hey, it's fine to fire your coach. Uh, so I think that we could get some, some other teams and bigger programs might follow, but kind of good for South Carolina, I think, to get ahead of the curve and, uh, you know, start doing their search early. How about you, Berman? What are you thinking? I mean, must champ. I never, I mean, look, you watch a lot of South Carolina games, especially this year. They didn't seem very well coached. There are a lot of mental mistakes on both sides of the ball. The offense couldn't score. Defense couldn't hold when it mattered most. And, I mean, like Josh said, Carolina's eating a lot of money to get rid of this guy. But, you know, I think the writing has been on the wall, not just this season, but for a few seasons they've been trending towards sort of an inflection point where, yeah, the marriage of Muschamp and South Carolina was not working. So the deed had to be done. Mike Bobo, I think, is just a placeholder. And there are are names – whether you're talking about a guy like Billy Napier at Louisiana or, of course, the name that's been thrown around a whole bunch, even though he just got extended at Liberty, is Hugh Freeze. Of course, he's the one I would love to see take the Gamecock job, but... Would you Would you like to see Hugh Freeze take the game job, Gamecock job? Uh, see, that's yes, what, see, that's what gives me pause. From, a, from, like, a pure football perspective, I don't know, seeing someone, I don't know, with that level of, like, prowess as a coach do it, but... As far as like it being connected to Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze, who I'm I'm pretty like fairly certain that the SEC is still pretty PO'd at him right now. They are, and but that I, is that is true. Yes. Yeah, I imagine like that. Like once that fire settles, if it ever settles, maybe you could start making conversation about maybe Hugh Freeze taking a job like South Carolina or Tennessee. But right now, I think they might try to go with something a little bit more safe at the moment, even though you know. Hugh Freeze is killing it over at Liberty. And so what's your definition of safe? Like, I can uh, see, you know, your Billy Napiers or Will Healy's. I'd like to present a name here. I think, and this is one that's been floated a bunch, is, and his record is, he's not got a great record, but he's also in the area. Jamie Chadwell at um, at Coastal Carolina is a name that I think we have to consider oh, yeah. because he is in the region, right? Um, this is a team that is, I mean, like, obviously, you know, they've, they've been excellent this year. But you look at the offense, a very innovative offense. Uh, it's one of those places where people talk about what they've done from an offensive standpoint, the way that they have, um, the way they use their running backs is something that's been uh, talked about a, a good a good deal about how they use them in the passing game, how they get them vert- vertical. It's a fun team. It's a good team. It's an innovative team. It's a creative team. And I think when you're talking about somebody who's short on experience, but also too, come, you know, you're, if you're buying out Muschamp for that much money, you could bring Jamie Chadwell to South Carolina 
on a pretty cheap deal, considering this guy would love to have, I mean, this, this guy would love to have his job. And I'm not sure if you guys saw on Twitter, I believe somebody texted, they had, or somebody tweeted, they had texted him about getting the, about the South Carolina job. And he'd said, Oh, I'm helping my wife fix her car right now. I can't, you know, I can't focus on that. (laughs) That is the, the worst. I mean, that is a dead giveaway that, Oh my God, I am smiling ear to ear that that job (laughs) just opened because here's the thing. There's no chance to get Luke fickle. Like they're not getting Luke fickle. You can, you can already just, you can put that one and shove it. They're not getting Luke fickle. So I, I would say Jamie Chadwell is where I hope they go, but I think Berman's right. Billy Napier too makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to read the exact response, which is yeah. Go ahead and read this. My wife's van is a brake light out. I'm focused on trying to get it fixed without getting her upset. I've got bigger issues to worry about. Smiley face emoji. That is that is classic Coach K Fabe. That's like perfect. Yep, that is. It's like when all else fails, uh, say you're doing something around the house. Say you're doing some home improvements. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll think about it. Like after I'm done, you know, painting this kitchen, or like after I'm done mowing this lawn, right? <laughs> and then we'll get back to you. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Billy Napier is like one of those guys who was floated around last year when uh, Mizzou was looking for a head coach. He feels like a guy, I think this goes for a lot of Sunbelt teams too, or just teams from around this area. They're kind of, they're kind of trying to act like a SEC coach factory. Just cause, just cause, you know, you coach in that region, you, you know, the talent around here. It's, it's pretty easy to, you know, make the correlation. seems like a no brainer. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm kind of leaning towards someone like Will Healy or Billy Napier as well, as far as someone who could take that South Carolina job. Ooh, I'll give you a name. Ooh, what are you thinking? You know, a a program like Carolina, I feel like they love to bring up, like, regurgitated guys. You You mean South Carolina or North Carolina? South Carolina. Okay. It feels like, I feel like Steve Sarkeesian could get. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I think oh. here's the thing, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I could see it happening. I just I want to go back really quickly to to Billy Napier just because um, he went to Furman, which is in South Carolina. So obviously he's got ties there. He was a GA at Clemson. He was on the uh, Clemson staff from 2006 to 2010. He's coached at Alabama too as an analyst, and he has spent three years there as a wide receivers coach. So he is somebody with plenty of SEC experience, at least coaching wise. And uh, I think like he's, I wanted him to be the Missouri head coach. And this is not me. I mean, I love, I love Eli Drinkowitz. I also think Billy Napier too is is somebody who is um, he's younger and he kind of fits the mold of what you want. Um, South Carolina cannot go with retread. They just went with a retread and it didn't work. They've got to go not outside the box, but go. I mean, I, I just think the results have speaking for themselves, right? Young progressive you know, offensive minded, normally uh, energetic coaches are going to get, get the job done at schools like this, right? We, you know, see the school at Virginia tech, uh, you know, a school that wants to, you know, wants to be thinks of themselves as better than they currently are. Right. South Carolina is the same way too. They think about themselves as the Steve Spurrier, South Carolina, a place that should be contending for championships, right? They, you can't get there by hiring like Will Muschamp. (laughs) You can't do that. You need to go and get a young progressive coach who can carry you and get the get the fan base excited, get recruits excited, and and get something to sell people. So basically, exactly what Missouri has done with Eli Drinkwitz, a hundred percent. And wouldn't you know, South Carolina is in fact playing Missouri this weekend. That is true. Uh, so we could kind of segue this into the actual game itself. Uh, I've been trying to get a B on this game, and I really don't have one. Right now, my gut feeling is that Mizzou's probably going to 
is probably going to come into this game more prepared, more organized than a team that just lost their head coach. Uh, I mean, you can you can check the tape. Uh, we've we've seen this happen, you know, multiple times as Mizzou has played a lot of teams who've had interim coaches. It's it's not it's not a knock on the players. I don't think it's just like a matter of trying to get your ducks in order, either to like try to close out the season strong or like wait for the next regime. And I kind of think that's where South Carolina is going to be at at the moment. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean they got to you know disregard guys like Shai Smith, who Shai Smith like. As the season progresses, probably become like one of my favorite wide receivers in the SEC right now. Yeah, like this dude, like this dude is just like so yeah. sick. Uh, Fifty-three receptions, five hundred ninety-six yards, four touchdowns. Not not like much in compared to maybe other wide receivers around the conference, but given how potent South Carolina's offense is, and like how much they score per game, like a daily basis, how many like yards like they pass per game, they're only passing like two hundred yards per game usually. At this point, so him being like, you know, <laughs> being on top of that turd pile of an offense over in South Carolina, uh, that that's definitely like something that you should take a look at, especially if you're Mizzou, just trying to figure out, okay, how can we how can we not blow this if we're Mizzou here? And All I right. think a lot of that has to do with containing Shai Smith. What's up, Let Roman? me pull up the stat first that is going to be the main talking point, which is, of course, Muschamp being fired. And according to Peter Baugh, who's a Mizzou football reporter for The Athletic, in the past five seasons, LSU fired Les Miles ahead of the 2016 That was a nightmare. (laughs) Next year, Florida fires Jim McElwain ahead of his third game against They played Randy Shannon coached that Florida team. And then (laughs) 2017, both Brett Bielema, a.k.a. New York Giants linebacking coach, he's actually been quite good, and Tennessee firing Bush Jones right after they played Mizzou in 2017, mm-hmm. and now Muschamp goes. That makes five coaches in the last like four seasons that have been fired either right before or right after Mizzou games. It's, yeah, it's and, kind of bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it's re- it's really weird. I think there's that, a very real chance Derek Mason could also be on that list in a few weeks. Oh, yeah, I oh think they, God, they're going to yeah. wait for Derek Mason towards the end of the season, right? And I think that's one Which of those where, right? So yeah, I mean, whether or not you want to say Mizzou's getting him fired, I mean, it's, it's going to be the end of the season. I think that's run its course at Vanderbilt. But one other guy I want to mention for South Carolina is Kevin Harris. They didn't uh. really think that Devin Harris, Devin Harris, Kevin Harris was going to be this guy that he has been this season. And he deserves a lot of credit because he's carried a gigantic load uh, for this offense. And he only had 21 carries last year, um, but he ran the ball for eight and a half carries and then or eight and a half yards per carry last season. This year, 131 carries, 817 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt and 13 touchdowns. Um, he has been for them and basically the way their offense has functioned this year, they've got two players, Shai Smith and Kevin Harris. And it's all been, it's been about getting them the football and trying to do as much as they can. The issue I have guys with this team is I thought, I understand you bring in Mike Bobo and I understand Ryan, um, Colin Hill is, is his guy too from Colorado state. But Ryan Holinsky last year to me was proved himself to be a much better option than, than Colin Hill. I know there's a trust factor there and there's a consistency factor with those two, but Ryan Holinsky gives you, I think a bit more in terms of the downfield passing game too. And I think he's just got a bit more talent. And so like we saw at Missouri, sometimes you just got to take the kid with more talent, even though he might not be as proven and let it work itself out and hope that in the long run, it becomes successful. Yeah. That's that an- being said, what I remember, if I remember correctly, Ryan Holinsky was 
pretty terrible when we saw him last year. In yeah, I mean, that's that's one game, though, against a different coach, too. But a majority of that defense is still there, and if we're switching to the Mizzou side of things, we haven't seen this scheme play in it's going gonna, it's gonna to be coming on three weeks by the time we hit 6.30 Central on Saturday night. If we, if we make it there. If we make it there. Shoot, yeah. But right now, I think there's a lot of pent-up anger coming from the Mizzou side regarding the last time they stepped on the gridiron. They've had – Oh, yeah. They're going to have had three weeks to stew over getting demolished by Florida – and all the extracurriculars that came with that. And what better time to take out your anger than on a South Carolina team that in the past has given this program some problems. Of course, last year broke a bit of a bit of a streak of sorts, but a team that has just fired their coach. It's in a bit of turmoil. It's a chance for Mizzou to I, – I think it's big. It's a bigger game for Mizzou than it is for South Carolina just to, like, maybe mentally get back on the same page, see if you can start sort of flexing your muscles and – Bring some quality, you know? Like, like play a clean football game. You think about that Florida game. They didn't – I mean, the defense did well at times. Then they had some times where they could just completely blue coverage. They didn't tackle. They dropped some passes. The line didn't protect very well. So, you know, they had some moments they showed some fight, but there wasn't enough consistency. And what I'm looking for, guys, is you look at the rest of the schedule here. You got South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. And look, I know Arkansas has improved and everything, but they should beat Arkansas, in my opinion. This team has been rescheduled for the 19th. Yeah, so Georgia as well is is left. But I'm just saying the games that they do for sure at this point in time. They should be able to go. I think you'll – I mean, they'll probably end up like two and two. but they should go three and one. They should go three and one in these next and these next four games. I know they're on the road against South Carolina, but I I think that you know this team with the time off they've had. Hopefully they have everybody back. Should play pretty well this weekend. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, of course, the talent differential between Florida and South Carolina is night and day. I think I think South Carolina is less talented than Kentucky, and Mizzou manhandled Kentucky in like a statistical standpoint. So, what I'm going to be interested in going forward is, especially in this game, where yeah, there I think there may be like a bit of a talent discrepancy here. Seeing how Mizzou was able to prey on the discrepancy between them and Kentucky, I'm interested to see how much more willing Mizzou is to go for the throat because I feel like, yes, Mizzou kind of just like blew Kentucky off the ball most of that game, but they just like never put the kill shot in until the, until the fourth quarter. I'm interested to see how early Mizzou can put the kill shot in and just make sure South Carolina just like doesn't try to come back from the dead and make it a thing. If, if the top discrepancy is there, if if it turns out it's just going to be, you know, two teams dragging each other through the mud, hey, man, it, it's Mizzou, South Carolina. It is what it is. That's just like the level of chaos I've come to expect from that game uh, in my five-ish years that I've been here. But if this is really a, a matter of talent, you know, beasting out on, you know, lesser talent, Mizzou's going to have to show it, especially when it comes down to, especially in the second half where, you know, 
Everyone's kind of tired. Uh, offense. I want to see them establish the run. That's Ooh, one yeah. thing I think they haven't done well this year, Chris. Is they have not. They I mean the times they have, but establishing the run they did against Kentucky. That's that's the one game where they did. And I want to see them establish the run so they can keep the South Carolina this uh, Ole Miss defense, Ole Miss defense, the South Carolina defense off balance because we saw Ole Miss do it last week. And I know Ole Miss is all you know is hellfire on offense, but. Uh, Missouri has the capability of having a balanced attack. And that's what I'd like to see. You want to be, and, and that's the dream with this kind of offense you have is, you know, if you have talent on the outside and you have those good running backs and we know Missouri does, I want to see them run the football well so they can, I, I think they do really well in play action. That's my one thing that I, I think Missouri is at their best when they can establish the run and hit you deep with play action. And we know, I mean, we saw Lane Kiffin, you know, with a play last week where his hands were up in the air because I know Missouri doesn't have an Elijah Moore, but the coverage was so bad. He knew it was a touchdown before Matt Corral even threw the ball. Those gaps, you can, those are there to be had against this South Carolina team. So trying to exploit those, but I would say trying to establish the run early. Don't try to shoot out from the beginning, right? Don't try to put a bunch of points from the beginning. See if you can run the football and get a lead and then play some good defense and try to make South Carolina come back from behind, right? Because their best offensive player this year has been Kevin Harris. And if, you know, if you can get them down by two scores, it's kind of like the Kentucky game, right? I know they can score, but make Colin Hill, you know, come back and beat you. Make it work for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Obviously, I think it's worth mentioning that last year, while he was with App State, Eli Drinkwitz did beat South Carolina. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Shoot. But I think this is a game where we see Mizzou. Yeah. And in a way, angry. I don't. I hope that I don't think they're going to let their emotions get to them. Vegas has Mizzou as a six-point favorite. I think I can see something. Feels right. I'm going to go like 35-21 Mizzou. That seems like a fair prediction. Yeah, I, I think Mizzou can cover that pretty easily. I think. What about you, Josh? Well, I mean, the the question for me is like, does playing on the road really change a whole lot for Missouri? Uh, because I'm trying to see this season, they have played uh, two games on the road and they've scored a combined 29 points. So I'm looking cool. to see if they can, if they can all. And, and this is the problem they had in the past, too, right? I mean, Missouri the first team that they are playing that I think, in terms of a talent standpoint, they are right. Playing. Well, but and that's a great point, Zach. Because let's remember the one hallmark of a Barry Odom team was, you know, they do stuff like go on the road against that South Carolina team a couple of years ago in the rain, and they played a sloppy, awful game, and they ended up losing. And you know, to a team that that season they were better than, and so that is the the that is what under Drinkowitz we need to see that's different than Barry Odom, right? Barry Odom teams when they would go on the road would not, you know, Kentucky. There was a couple of times where I felt like Missouri had more talent, was a better team than Kentucky, and they would go on the road and they, and they did that at home too, and they would lose. That's what you have to do is go on the road and beat teams that you are better than, right? And I think Missouri is in, a, in an opportunity here. If you play your football game, you can beat them. This is not Georgia, it's not Florida, it's not Alabama, where it's like we got to play our game and then some. And to be maybe even close. If you play your game, you should win here. That's what I want to see this week. I think Missouri does win, but I think it's like 26-21 or 28-25. Fair enough. Uh, I think with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, it's time for a preview of Mizzou basketball. Because uh, basketball is coming back, baby. Yeah, I'm excited. You guys excited? Hell yeah. 
All right. I mean, it, it might be coming back. Tentatively uh, <laughs> coming back. I'm very happy. All right. We're going to talk about that after this break. You're listening to Salute Your Sports right here on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Whitmer from Nerdtastic, and you're listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. Now that I've gotten on the internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. You may be right. I think we're being followed now. Don't look. Just very cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away. Hi, this is James Brown, soul brother number one, always fighting. Now I'm fighting for your life. I'm fighting for your life because if you use drugs, you better leave it alone. Drugs are contagious. They're killers. Every drug is a killer. Stay away from drugs. Drugs will take your life away. And if you want to live, stay away from drugs because they are super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, East Side is a solid place to hang out. Listen to Salute Your Sports, KCOU's longest-running Mizzou sports talk show here on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Still got the guests in here, coming in through the ether, Josh Neighbors, co-host Zach Berman. Uh, and it's time to talk about some basketball, but first things first, uh, hot off the presses, we got a couple of uh, NCAA basketball news, piece of NCAA basketball news. Uh, first one, which I think would pique the interest of a few of a few Mizzou basketball fans here is I believe the showcase tournament is on December 2nd or the weekend of from reading this. Right? Yeah. December 2nd, according to John Rothstein of CBS sports, the, uh, Mr. We sleep in our, we sleep in April. We sleep in May. We, we sleep in May. We sleep in May. Uh, there you go. Distance and you will get your life back, which I wake up to on my Twitter feed every day. 
Mizzou is going to be part of the massive. When I say massive, I mean like 30 teams are going to be playing at the venerable Mohegan Sun Casino and Resort in Uncasville, Connecticut. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, probably oh, Bellator MMA. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, Bellator MMA. There you go. How about but that? they are part of this Bubbleville tournament or showcase. And the four schools in their pod are Mizzou, Boston College, of course, my childhood team, the Oregon Ducks, and Josh's childhood team, the Hokies of Virginia Tech. Hell yeah. So were they out on Ken Palm rankings? Let's find out. It's gonna be a lot of fun. They've been they've been released this. I know Ken Palm came out this week. So yeah, it should be fun. And I mean, you're gonna see a lot of this, guys. I I and for me, I thought this was how they should structure the conference schedule. I thought what they should have done was because here's the thing. You all think back to what happened at the end of last college basketball season, right? And those kind of that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where it was, it went from they're canceling tournament events. Um, you know, it just kind of looked like, hey, this is all over. There's not going to be college basketball in the tournament. And where we are now, and Zach, this Bubbleville thing is a really good idea, but there isn't enough of that, right? I mean, how far have we really come in terms of scheduling and preparing the NCAA to play basketball? Not very far, right? Yeah. They're going to test and play like like they're going to do like what football does. And the issue with football is football is not as uh, – it's not like basketball in the sense of like, you know, there's no there's no gear, there's no visors, nothing, you know, between you and the other person. I mean, you are, you know, you are up against somebody else. Like we already saw it. Rudy Gobert gave Christian Wood coronavirus. Like we know this, this happened during basketball season last year. There are so, upsides and downsides. First well, thing. I'm just saying organizationally, they haven't put enough together to guarantee that we can get through an entire college basketball season. That being said, there are both your upsides and your downsides. Let's start with your downsides. Football, college football is mostly played outside. College basketball is played inside. We know scientifically COVID spreads indoors. All right, that's the big bad. Now, here's the flip side of that. How many people travel with a college basketball team versus how many people travel with a college football team? Right. College basketball team, you could take up a, a couple a couple rooms on a hotel for. College football team, you need a whole hotel. Like, there's a big difference. Yeah, there are less variables to work with, especially if you're just, you know, like a college basketball team as opposed to an entire football team where you have, like, a players and staff of, like, almost at least 100 probably on like just on, like, any given team. But also the quantity of games you're going to miss goes up, right? Like two weeks in football, you know, potentially takes you out of one game, maybe two. College basketball, it's four or five because of the, you know, you usually play two games a week, right? And so that, that is the scheduling quandary that they're going to have uh, moving forward. And I'm just nervous to see how it spreads. And I'm, you know, I know these kids are good and they're young, but like guys, if, I mean, if somebody gets it on the team, like you're going to get, like you're going to contact race the entire team. Like if one player gets it, I mean, it's going to be really challenging to see the rest of the team not getting it just by how the proximity have been, you know, way basketball works, setting screens, you know, it's like, I mean, it's just the game. It's how it works. Um, so the, I've, you know, I've been trying to get excited for college basketball season, but I think approaching it with cautious optimism is the way to do it. Yeah. I'll, I feel for me, it's like, it'd be cool if everything went on a schedule, but I also would not be surprised if we had to wait until yeah, like January. Oh, Zach, Zach, do you want to mention what's happening in the NCAA tournament and where, you know, everything's being played? Yes, but first and foremost, the one other major non-con game that has to be talk about, talked about was bragging rights is maybe. Oh, yeah, true. shoot. That's true. And it was decided 
where it would be played by a coin flip over Zoom by Andy Katz. Amazing. And the coin went Tigers, so it is going to be played in an empty Mizzou arena, which kind of stinks, but it is what it is. Okay, on to the tournament. The NCAA tournament will be hosted in a bubble in Indianapolis, or at least that's what the arrangements are planning for. It's a smart way to draw the whole thing out, and I assume a lot of it is, A, because of the hotel space in Indianapolis. It's a city with not a lot of, like, residential stuff in the downtown area, but a lot of event space. They've hosted Super Bowls. They're gonna, they are gonna. They have the college football championship, I believe, either this or next year. And the Final Four was already supposed to be in Indianapolis. In addition to that, just a short walk away from Lucas Oil, you have Bankers Life Fieldhouse, one of the better NBA arenas. You have two Division One college basketball arenas. Logistically, it's a safe play. Yeah, I feel like out of all the major metropolitan cities around the United States, Indianapolis feels like one of the better ones to host a bubble just because everything... You take a look at a map of Indianapolis, especially of like all those like you know conference buildings for events and stuff. Everything's pretty well connected to each other. It's It's kind of amazing how they do that. I heard someone talk about this. I think when they were talking about the combine, just how like easy it is to like get around places. Yeah. And so that's like one of the things you like have to have nailed down, especially if you're like doing a bubble. It's like, how easy is it for my players, my team to get from point A to point B on like any given day? If we have to like be there for this, that, and the third, like barring a place, barring a place like Disneyland where everything is super centralized, uh, Indianapolis, pretty much probably the next best thing, at least by my estimation. I mean, I can think of a few other cities that would be able to hold it. Got to think in terms of places to play, hotel space, and history hosting past events. I'd say Atlanta's a possibility. I'd say Minneapolis is a possibility. Maybe, maybe Detroit, but that's it. Uh, Yeah. The one that comes to mind for me is Atlanta because... Oh, yeah. State Farm Arena and Mercedes-Benz are right next to each other. I just I don't know why we have to play it in a football stadium this year, especially to like I, I hate playing basketball games in football stadiums. I understand why they do it. It's a lot of revenue, it's a lot of tickets. Maybe. In the year where, where it's limited capacity, I mean, why the hell are we doing this? <laughs> it does feel a little bit unnecessary. If hold it in Lucas Oil, that could be the difference between no fans and limited fans. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that. It's like, mar- but it's going to be like marginally more fans. Like you're going to get what, five, 10,000 more. I'm sure if the NCAA tickets and stuff, you're losing a lot of money. So I guess that's why. But I feel like also putting the event on there is going to be a bit more expensive than putting it on in the basketball arena. It's Just fine. my take. I've it's never fine. loved the big stadium thing anyway. Like- it makes, it also makes the shooting much. I mean, the players talk about this too. The, your depth perception is off. Like it's, it's like, I mean, those are cavernous football stadiums. You put a small basketball court in them. Yes. It's uh, it like, do you know what I'd give to see a Final Four be played at like a Madison Square Garden? Or a- yeah, yeah, yeah. You can play it at Staples Center one year. You can play it at MSG. You can play it, you know, uh, at, at the what's the arena? I'm blanking in Chicago, uh, United Center. Hey, uh, you know, you can you play can it. You can move it around. Center. You can also go to the Sprint Center. Sprint Center. That's right. You can host in cities that would never even be considered for these events. Like, you, like you're never going to see Boston host the Super Bowl because Gillette's 
uh, an open stadium mm -hmm. in Massachusetts where it's freezing cold in February. But if you move these things back to arenas, you could absolutely host the Final Four at TD Garden. Like, mm -hmm. it opens up a lot of possibility. They just won't do it because the ticket money. Yeah. Uh, pivoting off this a little bit, uh, let's talk about Mizzou Hoops. <laughs> actually, okay, so let's set the, I'll set the table real quick. Uh, according to Kempom, Mizzou is ranked, I believe, 58th in the country. Uh, for those of you playing along at home, uh, that's good enough for a bubble team. And that's kind of where Kempom has Mizzou at their ceiling. Uh, notable storylines, I think, if you paid attention towards the tail end of the season, even though it was kind of marred by injury and kind of a lost cause, you did see guys like Xavier Pinson and Drew Smith sort of come into their own and be the sort of top dogs on this basketball team. On top of that, they got a grad transfer from Hawaii, Drew Bugs, who may see you know higher usage coming into this season. It's just kind of like that third guard option. Uh, how... I'm going to kick this over to you guys with the question of how would you quantify success for this team going forward? Now that there's no, you know, porters to think about. Everything is just, everything is pretty centered in Conzo Martin's sort of schema in building his own team, you know, re regardless of, you know, name brand talent or whatever. Uh, I'm sorry, Berman. How are you feeling? This, you look at this roster, this is now entirely Conzo Martin's program. These are his guys. This is his coaching scheme. Everything, this is, in my opinion, it can and should be a tournament team. Of course, this is Mizzou basketball we were talking about. A lot can happen. But I'm looking at the roster, and Xavier Pinson's still around. We saw guys like Drew Smith get better. Kobe Brown was pretty promising freshman. Like, this is a team that, absolutely should be capable of getting to the tournament. And the SEC is not that great this year. Other than Kentucky, there's nobody that really jumps out at me in the conference. Uh, I believe Tennessee was projected to win the SEC. Although, <laughs> but that's I'm just throwing that out there. Whether whether or not I agree with it is, is kind of there irrelevant, but there's some shooters out there. There are only two teams in the SEC that are ranked, I believe, right now. That's Kentucky and Tennessee. Yeah. yeah, they are. They are. And I think Auburn's taking, you know, they're kind of rebuilding. I think what's Missouri, you got to see the opportunity in the SEC this year. And for me, when I look at it, my, my, as my mic pops out, my question usually is when it comes to this Missouri team and Conzo Martin Missouri teams is player development, right? We want to, you, you know, the one guy who is the hallmark of how it, it's not been there is is Jeremiah Tillman uh, loads of talent, but has not had a season where a season where he's put it together, single games and you know a couple game stretches where he has. But can he take those next steps? He's a senior. Can he act like a 22 year old you know man as opposed to an 18 year old kid when he's out in the court? Right? Can he play like a developed basketball player who's been playing three full years of of SEC hoops? Um, Xavier Pinson is the example of great player development, right? He went from the freshman who was a lot of flash and made, you know, still made, still turn the ball over to a guy that knew how to use his handle to get himself open, knew how to use his handle to get his teammates open and a guy who put together really good stretches of offense. That's a guy who, who developed. And so I think what we're asking for is you want to see that across the board. You want to see a more consistent Mark Smith. You, you know, Kobe Brown, I think it, Kobe Brown is where my attention turns this year. 
Kobe Brown showed a lot of good moments. Can he turn into the well-rounded energy guy who can knock down a corner three for you, who can get eight, nine rebounds a game for you, who can get tough stick back and, and use his size, not just his height, you know, use his size to box guys out and, and control, you know, control the glass. Can he do that? Uh, that is my question. Well, no, I'm the, 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 the question, he's got it in him, right? Will he do it is actually the better yeah. way for me to say it. My question, of course, it's the same question with this program every year is what is this program capable of versus what will they actually do? Right. And you want to see multiple games of capability. You want to see multiple games where they put together good wins and you're like, that is what this team should be. And I think the problem with early on this early on the season, sometimes for Conzo Martin teams is they don't grab hallmark wins. They don't grab a good win against a good team that says, Hey, this is the blueprint, right? This is the way that we win basketball games this season. Sure. You beat the hell out of Omaha, right? But can you beat a Boston college? I'm not saying they're a good team this year, but a, a Virginia tech who should be fine. Um, you know, eight against the ranked Oregon. Team. Right. So can you beat that from last year? That is a beatable team. So I want to see that. And I, I want to see, um, you know, also, too, uh, the turnovers and free throw shooting are always two things that Conzo Martin teams have issues with. Um, I hope he calls he's, – he's never going to call timeout sooner. But uh, taking care of the basketball and then making your free throws is one thing that these – this is an experienced bunch. Like, this is a team that basically everybody's – did they lose anybody from last year's team? Uh, let's see. Well, Jonte, obviously, but I don't think that was ever oh, – He was not – I mean, yeah, he didn't play last year. So, that, I mean, that was an arguably this, thing. This entire team is essentially back and – uh, you know, they, they should look like it, right? Like you want, like, you know, you want to see Torrance Watson be consistent. You want to see Javon Pickett be consistent. Not all of them will be, but more than should than shouldn't. Like we know what this team is capable of. We saw this team. I actually don't know. I actually don't agree with that. I don't know if we know yet. And that's what I want to see what they're capable of. And I want to see if they can recreate it. Well, I, I, when I think of the best I've seen this team, I mean, look, we saw Mizzou demolish Auburn, a ranked top 15 Auburn program at home. And then, of course, we also, you know, they lost to someone absolutely dreadful last year that I'm like, they lost to Charleston Southern. That's the one I'm, um, <laughs> yeah, I was at the game. Yeah. Like, right. Oh, it's just, like, what the heck? Oh my God. Like it was that kind of game. Personally, I'm going to be interested, interested to see, how they facilitate three-point shooting because I would never accuse the Conzo Martin team of being super forward in terms of jacking up threes at like no, a they're not prog- you're, They're not a progressive offense. Game. Oh, yes. But I think you can su- kind of see the gears on their heads turn after Tillman got hurt and you kind of saw a drop-off in three-point efficiency just because that's how they sort of like were able to space the court out and get their shots up. Now, now that I think they know, I'm get I'm guessing because I'm just like looking at like the notes I have here from like the the tail end of the season, right? I think I think that they think they know that they can you know do a two guard style or not have to worry about someone you know down low in the post. Well, they they gotta have you. they gotta shoot better, Chris. Like you're right. Like like let's look at this last year. Uh, Drew Smith shoots 29% from three. All right. Drew Smith during his time at Evansville, uh, when he was, let's see, when was that? He shot um, 48% from three in 2017, 2018, and 33. So, I mean, two very good numbers in those categories. Xavier Pinson 
shot 27 or 28 percent rather from three mark smith and jeremiah tillman are the only two players in this team that were over uh 30 percent i think jeremiah jeremiah tillman shot three threes last year so you know these guys have to become better to three-point shooters like torrence watson god love him but if you're going to shoot 28 percent from three-point land um what function do you serve out there for missouri <laughs> you don't serve a function right so you got they got to make that like they got to nail the and they they get a lot of good corner threes. I think it's because they've had good penetrating guards, like even Geist and Pinson. Those guys have been good at getting to the rim. And I, I want to see those guys get to the rim, create for other guys. And Kobe, Brown, like Kobe Brown has been open in the corner. There's a reason. So Kobe's got to, you know, I, I hope he has been shooting a bunch of threes, especially in the corner, because that's a shot. It's, current, it's a lot in this offense. So I want to see that. I want to see Torrance knocking down threes. You know, those are the things you want to see. Also, don't have Drew Smith play point guard. He's he's so much better off the ball when you run him off the wing and get him the ball there. So there's my there's my actual like legitimate offensive notes. Yeah, I, I want to say also, man, Drew Smith. Like you, you talk about a guy who is also like one of those dudes who you could point to the Martin like school of development and go, oh my god, like it, it's almost like night and day from like the first time he stepped on stepped onto the court to like now where mm-hmm. he might be like almost all defense ish. Like he's getting to like right. that level, like it's it's entirely possible for me. I don't know if he'll if he's got any more room to grow personally, but I think if we're if we're talking about if we're talking about players who may uh, represent Missouri as far as like all SEC, I don't think you have to look any further than the guys like Pinson or or uh, Drew Smith because oh my god, like I th- this season is going to be made or broken on how much those two can either continue to improve or just, you know, facilitate like that same. I think it's the three guards. I think he had Mark Smith in there too. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Zach. And when push comes to shove, I believe this is the final year of Tonzo Martin's contract, right? Is he coaching? Is he not on a longer term contract? I think he might be. I don't think he's coaching that a contract. Yeah. I think, I think we, it was, it was like a seven year contract. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it was seven years. Even even still, I think there was an extension as well. Yeah, no, he's 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 with Missouri for a little while. What, what year is this for him? Is this year four? four I want to say four. I think. Yeah, I think it's like four. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like four. It's hilarious how fast this stuff goes by. I mean, you think about Conzo Martin, like when he came in. I mean, that, that was I mean what three or four seasons ago now, and it feels like he you know he just got here, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's hilarious. This will be his fourth season with Missouri. So yeah. But- I think it, it feels kind of desperate like this. I don't, think it's, I, don't think it's, I don't know if it's desperation. Here's what I think, Zach, is that this this should be a good group, right? This is one of those groups we look at where they're long on experience and they also have some talent. They have a lot returning. And what, like I think if you exclude the guys who just came in, they should be a decent basketball team. Now they're going to be a better, like an above average, like a a good basketball team. They're going to need some more contributions, especially off the bench. I, I think there, you know, you can't just run five guys out there and have them be your entire team. This team's going to need to get some bench scoring, and I don't know where it's going to come from. So I, I'm curious about that too. That should be exciting. Uh, I could take a look at the depth chart real quick. Uh, well, you see. What those transfers give you right. I mean, you wonder what those guys like. You know, when Bugs comes in, I mean, what is going to give you off the bench? Can Javon Pickett? You know, I bet he'll be starting. So, what can he give you? Um, you know, do you start uh, Kobe Brown? Well, I'm curious with the starting lineup because if you start Pickett like you did all the time, uh, then you're going to end up starting. You know, Pinson, Pickett, Smith, 
And do you start Mark Smith and then you go with Tillman at the five? Do you start Kobe Brown and bring, you know, Mark Smith off the bench? I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd be open to being surprised if someone like, I don't know, like Parker, Parker Brown or Ed Chang can, you know, bring that heat for Mizzou, but... I have no idea what Ed Chang is going to do. I can't say I've ever watched him play a second of basketball. And he's, you know, uh, one of those guys who was a, a transfer from San Diego State and went to community college. So uh, we'll see. And it, but he's supposed to be a pretty decent three-point shooter. He shot, uh, like, I think it was like 42%, 43% last year um, for, for his community college. So and he might be the three-point shooting they need. Yeah, I'd be, oh, I'd totally be open to entertaining something like that. Um, looking at the schedule, uh, let's do this. Uh, let's just pick one game where you think, or what what's going to be a must-watch game for uh, Mizzou Hoops fans, or what's the one game that you're going to want to look at to try to get a beat on what exactly this team is? Uh, I already got mine. Uh, I could just talk about it if you guys need some time to think. I already got, I got mine, too. He said, yeah, Berman's going to say Oregon. Uh, you guys go first. Okay. I'm absolutely going to say Oregon. I That's well, not fair. Yeah, go for I, it. I grew up an Oregon fan. I follow this team very closely. They lost a lot of talent. They're well coached, but losing Peyton Pritchard and a whole bunch of other guys, they pull up their, their depth chart. They they really do not have I mean they're ranked like number 20. I I don't I don't know if they're a tournament team this year. They should be. But uh, you know, you look up and down the roster, it doesn't impress me that much. But Dana Altman always knows how to put together a competitive team. We will see. But that being said, it is a winnable game against a team with a number in front of their name. And if Mizzou wants to make an impression early, both to the media, their fan base, they have to win that game. Okay. I buy that. Uh, my choice uh, is a conference game, actually. And it's probably obvious if you've seen the schedule, which one mine might be. Kentucky comes to Mizzou this season. Now, I'm not of I'm not of a mind to be like just because Kentucky comes to Mizzou, like their odds get like exponentially better for Mizzou to like pull off the upset. Even though that's kind of what happened the last time they came to town, or the last. It, or the time before that, one of the, the one of the last times they came to Missouri Arena, Kentucky is always like the game in which Kentucky is always like the barometer, especially in the SEC East, in which your basketball program is judged. You you may not win much against Kentucky, but what you can do is show what kind of stuff you got. And I'll be super interested interested to see because this is, I believe, this is a little bit halfway through conference. Pr- uh, conference play, I think. I think this is on the flip side of the year, so I'd be very interested to see Mizzou taking what they've learned over the course of the season and applying that against a Kentucky team that's probably probably going to be top 10 or at the very least top 15 when they come to town. I, I really, I don't know, there's something about throwing down with Kentucky to sort of like test Mizzou's medal that always always gets my interest peaked. Yeah, I think I think one is the Illinois game. I think because Illinois is a top twenty-five team, you know they've gotten an All-American player in Aiden Sumo, and uh, you know they bring back Kofi Cockburn. Like this is a team that we know for a fact is going to be a good basketball team. It's also a team that Missouri beat last season, right? This is a team that we know that Missouri can hang with, and they've got a lot of talent. But they've beaten this group before. 
That's going to be a fire game. I want to see Missouri keep their composure in that game and win the win it again, right? Like it's going to be a tough game, and, and Illinois got a lot of juice. If they win that game, they will have shown me something. That that is a game where, with with all everything at stake there, like you don't need fans. That's going to be a, that's going to be a fist fight. That game is going to be a fist fight. I cannot wait for it. Okay. Uh, the clock is running down here, so a couple quick things real quick. I was going to want to do uh, some Mizzou football midterms. Uh, let's just go really quick. Uh, offensive player of the year so far, defensive player of the year so far. Uh, for me, offensive player of the year so far, Larry Roundtree. I mean, that offense lives and dies by him. Uh, get the ball in his hands. He'll do something cool with it. Uh, on defense, I think it's pretty obvious for me. Uh, Nick Bolton, he's just... Uh, hey guys, if you want to look at the next possible uh, candidate for a first round pick from Mizzou, uh, Nick Bolton's your guy, and he's been showing it uh, throughout the that? season. Therese Hall was playing last night for the Patriots. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. apparently Bill Belichick really likes him too. Yeah, man. Uh, man, if you if you get the silver approval from uh, BB, I know. Uh, what else? What else do you need? All right, what do you guys think? Hmm. What you got? Offensive player of the year. I'm tempted to say Connor Basilek. I'm tempted to say Larry Roundtree. But I am going to go with the man that has almost become the linchpin of sorts for this offense and someone that really excels with the creativity and a lot of the jet sweeps and trick plays that Drinklitz likes to run. It's Jalen Knox. Ah, okay. Part of this offense. On the defensive side, you're going to go with Bolton. I agree in terms of sheer talent. He's the best player in the roster, probably a first-round pick. But... Ennis Rakestraw is my guy, and he is going to be a lot of fun to watch develop over the course of these next few seasons. We saw him show out against Florida. We saw him show out against LSU. And I'm going to give an honorable mention to Joshua Bledsoe because he's also been very good. But I'm going to go with Knox and Rakestraw as my two. Okay. So I'm just going to – I'm going to shout out here um, Sean Robinson just because I think he deserves some credit for the way he's handled what happened, right? Like this guy comes from – Oh, yeah, definitely. And he sits out a year and expects to play and things don't go well for him. And he gets benched and it's not going well. But what I want to say here is like, I think he's handled it with a lot of class. I think he's handled it with a lot of class and a lot of dignity. And that's not always like, you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do, right? Guys um, don't always handle these things uh, very well. And I want to say for him, he's done a very good job uh, of handling that. So um, credit to him. Um, Just, yeah, just, just for that. You know, you guys have hit on a lot of the guys I was talking about. So uh, I just want to give Sean Robinson some credit. And then, uh, you know, I just, I mean, what else can you say about Nick Bolt? And then Rake Straw, too. Like, that guy is a gamer, really competitive. Doesn't always win every, every you know, competition he's in against receivers, but they're asking him to defend some dudes. And I think he does a pretty good job. Okay. Just a couple uh, real quick notes uh, before we get on out of here. Uh, I believe it was National Signing Day for baseball not too long ago. I believe over yes, the weekend. It was. Uh, that's right. Uh, Mizzou's baseball class, for those of you who don't know, uh, ranked in Collegiate Baseball News' top 40 uh, in terms of recruiting classes. There's clocked in at number 33. So, yeah, uh, if you want a reason to uh, keep your eyes out on uh, Mizzou baseball, uh, there you go, right there. Uh, let's see, outside of that, uh, real quick shout-out to uh, Mizzou's soccer team. Uh, they're advancing on to the corner finals in the SEC soccer tournament. Uh, they will be thrown down against South Carolina on the 17th. I believe it's 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, and you already know we're going to have coverage of that right here on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Josh Neighbors, where can we find you? You can find me uh, at the Locked On Nationals podcast. You can find me with the Locked On Big 12 podcast, a little bit of baseball, 
little bit of football and basketball. I kind of doing it all right now. You can find me on Twitter at Josh neighbors underscore. Uh, you can find those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all those places. Uh, yeah. So that is where you can find me. Zach Berman. How about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Berman ZBB, where I'm usually complaining about the New Jersey Devils or New York Giants. You can also find me in New Jersey right now. I will be heading to Florida in about two weeks, where I shall ride out the rest of the semester and whatever comes forth. Any final thoughts? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Mitch M-I-Z. And you can also find Salute Your Sports on Twitter at KCOU Salute, eventually. Did you uh, get it back? Uh, no, but I will. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, I think that should just about do it here. Actually, real quick, uh, before we go, uh, let's talk about pizza real quick. Uh, and you all had Pizza Tree? My yes. favorite. Yeah. It's right. so good. All right. Uh, we're fans of Pizza Tree here, and apparently so is Pizza Tree of us. Uh, Missouri Tiger football is brought to you by Pizza Tree. Open Tuesdays through Sundays. Pizza Tree is excited to now serve breakfast slices, bagels, and coffee. Uh, just as a side note, I have tried their bagels. Oh, my God. They're really good. They put so much locks on their bagels. It's it's really good. Located on not, located on 909 Cherry Street, more information is available on their website, pizzatree.com, or by phone call at 573 874 9925. That is 573-874-9925. Slice specials can also be found on their Twitter and Facebook. KCOU would like to thank Pizza Tree for supporting KCOU Sports and Student Radio. Thank you also for your mac and cheese pizza. This has been Salute Your Sports. Josh Neighbors, Zach Berman, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Yep. Oh, no problem. All right, and we will be here next week to talk about all that good, good stuff that happened on that Saturday, probably with more content for you. Fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get uh, postponed. And if it does, uh, we'll figure out something. If you go three weeks without Mizzou football, it's only a matter of time before you start talking about wrestling. And then Drew and I, hopefully Drew will be back next week, is going to start looking at you like you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get started on our preview of the golf program. Uh, anyways, I'm Chris Mitchell for uh, Josh Neighbors, for Zach Berman. Thank you guys so much for listening to Salute Your Sports, and I will see you guys next week.